Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. We explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I almost tripped over that. I'm Cody Fields, president of Westminster Effects. You can buy stuff for your guitar at westminstereffects.com. You can join the discussion in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Make sure that you subscribe and comment on Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Share the show. Etc. 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 Old Lutheran John is not with us today, not because of work-related issues, but because he has jury duty. Bless his heart. Uh, and I'm not in person with the right Reverend Bradley Cox, but we're on Zoom. Yes, we are. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Good to be with you. Oh, you, know, you know, Cody, I have never. I'm 44 years old. I'll soon be 45. I've never been called for jury duty ever ever not even once never got a like even something in the mail that said you might show up for something yeah nothing i haven't either actually uh now my my dad was a jury alternate for a capital murder case in spartanburg years ago wow wow uh and it was like it was an aggravated first degree murder, like guy shot his wife or girlfriend or something like that. Uh, and their kid was in the car. Mm. So it's like, you know, the, the presence of that made it a capital case. And wow. the, the prosecutor in that case was one Trey Gowdy. Who, oh, really? Yeah. Who went on to be, you know, our, our congressman. So that was, that's his big, uh, his big jury story. <laughs> so you'll, you'll have to ask him about that on, on the next all seven days podcast. Yeah. Another one of Thank those almost do. awards. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> almost. Uh, so first, uh, first podcast of the new year took a couple, a couple weeks off because nobody listens to podcasts <laughs> during, right. between Christmas and new year's. Anyway, everybody's too busy. Uh, but we got a really good inquisition question that I thought uh, was worth engaging with. So Drew Smizer asked for our thoughts and opinions on how to challenge slash engage with a believer, uh, at least someone who claims to be a believer, who is part of the same congregation as you, who supports the alphabet agenda, the LGBTQIA plus semicolon at sign ampersand um, slash abortion. Uh, slash other things that are just outright unbiblical. He he does have the caveat. This person is a newer believer. He's so I'm not inclined to think someone outright informing them they are wrong is going to work and resolve the theological issues. And he said to make it general, how do you, as not their pastor, and maybe you as a pastor, uh, put a follow a uh, fellow congregant and believer on the right path of orthodoxy with regarding their theology without. <clears throat> basically scaring them off. Hmm. It's a tough question. I mean, um, I, I, I'll, I'll, let me say, say this first. Um, when it comes to LGBTQ, however many letters there are now, um, <laughs> I, I don't think the Bible's gray on this. Right. I, 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 you know, some people might conclude that, but I think that's bad biblical interp. 
to conclude that the Bible is anywhere close to gray on this. Even, it, there's even a, uh, a documentary coming out from the theological left. Maybe it has already, it already has come out, but <clears throat> this guy was basically claiming to tell, I think it was the American standard version, which was the first that actually used the term homosexual in the new Testament, I think it was first Corinthians six, maybe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and he was trying to say, Oh no, it shouldn't say that. And now they're trying to use him to be like, Oh, they totally invented it and stuck mm -hmm. it in the Bible. And it's, it's just not true. Uh, mm -hmm. even the Greek word there, like once you actually parse out what's going on there with that compound word that Paul may have made up, mm -hmm. it's right there. And it's plain. It's very plain. I, I, I and I think that that gets at, you know, there, there are people who claim Christianity and, and claim to believe in the authority of Scripture and read by the Bible, but <clears throat> they get wishy-washy on things like this. And I think that's that, that right there proves that there's a shaky foundation when it comes to the yeah. authority of Scripture. And I think we, if a person claims to be a believer— and we can't have if, if it's clear that we can't have a conversation that's rooted in the authority of Scripture, then we've got a problem mm -hmm. that I think I don't I don't want to say it totally derails the possibility of us having a productive conversation. But it 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 does mean that there might be disunity and um, potentially a, a loss of fellowship. Um, yeah. over that. I mean, I think that that's hard. And, but I think that's also biblical is that if we're, if we're not going to launch from that place, then, you know, it, I'll give an example. <clears throat> I have a really good friend who's been a friend for a long, long, long time. Um, and, and there's a lot of backstory here, but just a real short kind of context for people this friend of mine has been in his in previous years in local church ministry, as am I. And over the years, there have been many times where we've had conversations where we, for lack of a better way to put it, we aired our grievances about the mm. church, right? And about ministry and about certain people that we looked up to at one time and maybe had disappointed us. You know, we it I don't think that it's sinful for Christians to have conversations about the warts in the church. We're part of the body, you know, yeah. in one sense, we're talking about ourselves and we, we, it, we, we should have critical conversations at times. And we, and I had that with this friend. This is why our church has a Festivus poll and we have a, a special service on December 23rd every year. It's just for the exactly. airing of grievances. You can get exactly. in the pulpit and you say, I got a lot of problems with you people and you're going to hear about it. That's right. So I had these kind of conversations with my friend, but uh, through a series of events, some of which was his own sin, some of which was a church that he worked at as a, as a worship leader, mishandling, in my opinion, his sin uh, and his sin issues uh, led to deep hurts in him. Mm -hmm. um, and as a result, he left that church and he left the church in terms of he, he hasn't been in a church service per se in about five or six years. <clears throat> and early on in this last five, six year period, he had some questions and doubts about the authority of scripture. Uh, he started to back off 
the Bible being absolute in its authority and um, some of the some you know some things like LGBTQ issues and other things. He started to back off that, um, and, but then he wanted to engage with me in the same kind of conversations that we had had before. Mm. Uh, and I remember early on uh, him raising some issues about the church or, or about the Bible or whatever. And I started to quote scripture to him and he was dismissive of that. He was like, I don't want to hear that. I know what that says. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want it, it, it essentially letting me know he did not want to talk from that foundation. anymore. And I said this to him, I said, look, you're still my friend. I love you, but we're, we're not going to be able to have productive conversations about these things anymore because we no longer share the same foundation. If that's where you are, you've moved yep. off of that foundation. And if it's only going to anger you for me to root my thoughts and arguments in scripture, then it, it, it's going to be impossible for us to have a productive conversation. So my point in telling that long story was to say, if if a if a professing Christian backs off the authority of Scripture, that <clears throat> I, I think that just recontextualizes contextualizes the kind of conversation that we could have with them. Yeah, uh, and you you just exploded uh, the the for the sake of the relationship kind of thinking. If, mm -hmm. if that makes sense, it's, mm -hmm. it's, I hear that so much is, well, you want to keep the relationship intact, but at what cost, right? Exactly. Uh, are, are you going to, uh, you know, the presuppositional argument is there is, is no neutrality. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really just a biblical thing, but there is no worldview neutrality. So why would you pretend to be neutral mm -hmm. for the sake of the relationship? Jesus said he came to bring a sword that's and right. he's going to divide people up. That's right. Uh, in, including families, like families mm -hmm. have been split big, for the sake of Jesus. And, you know, that there's there's a tragic sense to that. But there's also like that is a glorious thing because God is saving his people. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I, making them more like himself. Absolutely. You know, I had a I had a wise man in my life years ago that I really looked up to that. I watched him with a pastor friend of his who committed multiple um, acts of adultery mm. as a pastor had to be removed all that. But I watched him um, engage with his friend and say to that friend, I've never forgotten this. He said, I can always be your friend as long as you don't force me to agree with you. Yeah. Uh, as long as you don't try to justify your actions and force me to agree with it. I can be your friend. And I think there, therein lies, if you're going to think about this from a relational standpoint, you know, there's, two, there's two, two sides to this. One is you know, productive and constructive conversation about truth. The yep. other side is the relational piece, which if, if we're going to think about it from that standpoint, that's a principle I think we'll have to adopt is that if, if, if I'm talking with someone who is a, professing brother or sister in Christ, who's backing off the authority of scripture, then I think what I'm going to have to do is acknowledge that, that that's going to um, severely limit 
how productive our conversation can be about that issue or those issues. Yeah. And if you force me, and this is the other person's responsibility, if you force me to agree with you, that's going to have an effect on our relationship. Doesn't mean I'm going to cease to love you. Doesn't mean I'm going to say no. If you call me and you're in a ditch and you need help, I'm not going to say no to that. But in terms of the closeness and um, relative intimacy that we can continue to enjoy, if you force me to agree with you, that's going to be compromised. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that's at least a starting point for how do you approach that is, you know, we've got to, we got to make sure we're on the same foundation. Uh, and then the other piece is if we're not on the same foundation, uh, what effect is that going to have on the relationship? Yeah, exactly. And I just had a thought and I have to Google it real quick. <laughs> okay. While you're Googling, the other thing, I, the other thing I would say too, is that, a lot of times these conversations begin um, from the wrong place. Uh, when we talk about the authority of scripture, we're, we're not just talking about a book of law, right? Or mm-hmm. we're, we're, what, we're, what we're talking about ultimately is the authority of Jesus Christ, the authority of God himself, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I heard Tim Keller say this recently. He said, if a lot of times people will come and they'll say, I'm interested in coming to your church, but what's your stance on homosexuality? And it's almost as if that's a prerequisite for coming is how do you think about homosexuality? I'm intrigued maybe to worship with you or come to church. Um, I'm intrigued with Jesus, but. I'm, I'm wishy-washy on this issue, so I want to know where you stand. And that it sometimes becomes a filter for people as to whether or not they're going to participate with that local church. Mm-hmm. And what Tim Keller said is, that's really just so ludicrous. Because the, 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 the question you should be asking is, do you believe Jesus Christ is Lord? If he's Lord, all bets are off at that point. Even if there are things you don't like about his rules, you may not, you you may not like the fact that Jesus Christ, the son of God, the second person of the triune God is not pro homosexual Mm -hmm. in, in terms of the act and that kind of thing. You may not like that, but if he's Lord, it doesn't matter. Because Tim right. Keller said, if Jesus Christ is Lord and commands all his followers to cut off their left foot at the ankle, so be it. Because he's Lord. Like, what, what option do I have, right? If he holds the universe together by the word of his power, I best get along with whatever he says. Because right. that's who he is. Um, and now there, there are things about the character and nature of God and of Jesus that we can we can unpack and we can come to understand that he is a, he's a Lord to be trusted and he's a Lord to be Mm -hmm. loved and adored. But if we just launch from the basis of he is Lord, that's a fact, that's true. Then we pack up our, we pack up our questions about homosexuality, about social justice, about all these other things. We pack those up and bring them with us to his feet where we fall 
and say, I'm, I'm wrestling with this, but you're Lord and I'm going to trust you. I think that if we're talking to someone who professes faith in Christ and, 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 you know, wants to talk about these issues, that's where we've got to start from ultimately. Yeah, exactly. And that, that actually does go really well into the point that I was trying, that I was going to make that I had to Google is um, it really kind of causes to implode the whole red letter Christianity notion, the progressive Christianity notion. Oh, I just want the red letters. I just want what Jesus said. Well, you you also have to take what Jesus said about the Old Testament seriously if you're going to say that, Mm -hmm. which then means you also become an Old Testament Christian. That's that's the beautiful thing about it. And uh, I I recently listened to a uh, a James White lecture about how the influence of of Darwinism has just eroded uh, so much of Western civilization is, is we've given up on. Uh, even how Jesus talked about uh, human nature from Matthew 19, which is, you know, we, we normally go to that, you know, because the main point is he's teaching about divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them ma- male and female? And Darwinism, modern evolutionary thought uh, wants to eliminate the he who created them part. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and particularly with uh, Colossians, I think it's Colossians one that through Jesus, literally everything was made. Right. So <clears throat> he has the right, just like what you're talking about, as Lord to dictate the terms uh, by which life is lived. Mm-hmm. And yep. who, who are we to question that? <laughs> it, it's yeah. it's <clears throat> it's it brings me back to the psalm. Who is man? that you're mindful of him. Who, why, why should one, why should God give a crap about what I have to say? But then two, why should I give a crap about what I have to think about creation when God has spoken on it already and looking at some inquisition questions coming up, that's going to be a theme going (laughs) through the entire episode. Um, But you know, another, another point we touched on it is, we talked about the, for the sake of the relationship in the discussion in the inquisition post this week, there were some, some who said, and, and I'm not saying that this is a bad approach all the time. Uh, but you know, some guys said, you know, you have to establish a relationship first. Um, I don't think that's true. Um, and, and I would point to a conversation that we've, well, multiple conversations that we've had with a guy in our church, obviously leaving him nameless mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of the innocent and all that kind of stuff. But, and it, and it hasn't been over this subject. And obviously we think he's a legitimate Christian. He's just confused on some things. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first time I ever talked to him, I was basically, <laughs> I was basically coming in from the bullpen because you had a meeting to get to. <laughs> <laughs> and I was right, right there right. and accidentally eavesdropped because I was packing up my guitar stuff and yep. I just kind of told him what was up, but he knew like he knew where I was coming from. Right. Like right. he said, I know you care about me and that's why you're saying these things, Yeah, which was, which was incredible insight on his part, especially in our current culture, where as soon as you disagree with somebody, you must hate them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, but he recognized that as confused as he was on some other pretty important things, mm-hmm. uh, he recognized 
we don't have a relationship. I've never met you until now, but I know that you care. Yeah. Well, you know, here's what I would say to this is that to that particular point, you know, when I interact with people, they're going to have, you know, varied degrees of awareness of how much I care about, them. you know, yeah. personally, how much I care about. Yeah. Them. And, and the more I can demonstrate to everybody, the people that know me the best and the people that know me the least, the more I can demonstrate to all of them on either side of that spectrum that I care, the better. So it's not, we're not saying that a relationship established is not a good thing. Certainly it's a good thing. Yep. But I don't need a relationship with you, Cody, to tell you if you put your hand on a hot stove, it's going to burn you. Yep. Yep. Right. I don't have to have a, a history with you in order to tell you that truth that you're going to learn is true once you stick your hand on that stove. Other, right? Otherwise, what's what's the point of you preaching a sermon on a Sunday? <laughs> You don't, don't have, have a relationship with every no, person no, in the room. There's no way. But what happens? What What are we doing? Right? If somebody walks in the door of our church on Sunday morning and listens to me teach, I would say probably eight or nine out of 10 people that do that. I'm not going to say there aren't some people that get dragged there by somebody else and, and they really don't even want to be there. But for the most part, the people that are in that room, are there because they see value, they perceive value, and they perceive truth is going to be told and proclaimed from God's word. And so they've made at least the effort to get there and in the room. And therefore, I can speak truth whether I have relationship with them or not, because there is at least a some sense of a shared agreement that yeah. what we're talking about is true. And so <clears throat> if, 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 if we're going to have a conversation about, you know, LGBTQ, um, then I don't think I have to have a relationship with you in order to talk about what's true. Now, certainly yeah. I want to do that with kindness. You know, I want to, uh, you know, I want to do that with tenderness and with compassion. I'm trying to think of the verse in Peter. It's one of the Peters where it talks about kindness and that the Lord might grant them repentance, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, there's a, I can't, the words are not coming to me right now, but <clears throat> um, there is a, there's a posture and a tone and an attitude that I think is godly and appropriate. And it's nice. It's not mean, mm -hmm. right? Yep. It's not mean spirited, but it is, um, it is full of compassion and it is full of grace. Our, our speech is seasoned with grace, but at the same time, it, there is a matter of fact nature to the truth. This is true, right? Yep. Yep. And you look at, you look at Romans one to me, the most definitive passage on, you know, homosexual issues is Romans one, you know, for mm -hmm. Paul to say, there's a disordered heart worship. Man has rejected what God has made plain about himself. And because of that disordered worship, God has judicially handed them over to unnatural things. And, and among those unnatural things, among those evil things that are being called good is homosexual relationships. 
So that's a vivid dramatization of the same in the same way that marriage is a, a between a man and a woman is a vivid dramatization of Christ's relationship to the church. Homosexuality is a vivid dramatization of the ju- judicial uh, handing over the 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 wrath of God being poured out against mankind for disordered worship, right? The greatest sin ever, the worst sin ever is the failure to worship the living God Yeah, Uh, and and to divert that adoration to anything other than him is the, is the, is the worst crime committed in the universe ever. Um, And, and, and whether people like it or not, the, the unnatural, um, just uh, the, the un, unnatural essence of homosexuality is essentially giving both middle fingers to our creator. Yep. And I know that sounds harsh, but that's just, that's just, it's just true. Yeah. It's just true. And I'm not saying that every person who has same sex attraction or has engaged in homosexual activity in some way or another is um, telling God F you, um, you know, consciously. Um, mm-hmm. But but their action is among the 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 most vivid. Again, you know, in one sense sin is sin, but I don't think sin all sin carries the same consequences um, necessarily. But it 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 is a vivid dramatization of the disorder in creation that is the result of sin. Absolutely. And, and one final point, as we kind of wrap up our main discussion, uh, it's, it is important to note that this person is a newer believer, mm. right? There, there's a, there's a difference between someone who has been in the faith has been catechized. They're familiar with the Bible. And now all of a sudden they're trending a certain <clears throat> direction uh, as yeah. the gospel goes forth. Uh, I think of first Corinthians six, such were some of you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's, there's more patience to be had with a newer believer. That doesn't mean that you, you can't get just as blunt, right? Uh, You don't, uh, you don't butter up the truth. You still give truth period. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, and you say, Hey, there are some things that are non-negotiable, uh, God's yep. triune nature, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and calling good evil and evil good is frowned upon by God. You don't want to go there. Right. You know, and I think, you know, Paul says in first Thessalonians five, this has been one of the most helpful passages to me. <clears throat> he says, um, admonish the unruly, uh, encourage the faint hearted and help the weak but be patient with them all. And I think that's so helpful because some people are being unruly in their arguments and they need admonishment. They need some of that tough love, matter of fact, truth. Some people are faint hearted. They know what's true. Uh, they know what to do, but they're, they're weary in the struggle let's say. And so we encourage them. We try to build them up. And then some people are just weak. And the word Paul uses there for help literally means to get under the load with them. 
Um, and but then be patient with them all. So I, and I, that's written to believers. That's in the context of the the worshiping community. So I would say discernment about what type of person we're dealing with in these conversations is also neat. Is this yep. is this person unruly? Are they faint-hearted or are they weak? Either way, I need to be patient. But my health might look a little different depending yep. on where they are. Good stuff. <clears throat> Time for the Inquisition. Sure. And this is the Inquisition, where you submit questions to us via weekly post in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge. I did this one on Sunday and got a ton of questions. So we have four questions. We normally have three, but a couple of these we can kind of get through pretty quickly. As is tradition, Brian Morris asks, what's the best book you read in 2021? And what's the best album you listened to? Oh, my goodness. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. I read some good stuff this year, or last year, rather, mm. and and some stuff that hit pretty hard. Uh, Fault Lines by Vody Bauckham was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, the Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by Carl Truman uh, is, in, is an incredible book. It's really dense, and it's really important. Mm. Um, probably the worst book I read... <laughs> was Until Unity by Francis Chan. Oh, really? It, it mm. was putrid. It was full of straw man arguments. Uh, mm. And it was it was basically a giant excuse for him hanging out with Mike Bickle. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so bless his heart for that. Bless uh, his heart. But, and I knew, I knew, I knew it wasn't going to be very good when I saw the previews, but sometimes you just got to read stuff that you're going to disagree with. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think, I think, one of one of my favorite books. I'll just mention one. One of my favorite books I read this year, um, and I can't remember the author. And I left the book in my office. It's an older book. It's a real short little thing, mm-hmm. uh, but it's called Preaching in the Holy Spirit. Um, and it was actually, uh, I think, a series of lectures uh, by a Southern Baptist uh, preacher that um, he put together in a book after the fact. But it was it was basically about the uh, the work of the spirit in the moment of preaching, um, the, uh, you know, how the spirit enables and empowers the, the pastor teacher uh, to be effective in the moment and the kinds of experiences that uh, you have as a teacher in those kind of moments. For the first time ever, I think somebody put language to that, that I haven't really known how to describe. Yeah. Um, some of it I was a little bit skeptical of because I, I don't I I am very cautious about anchoring too much to experience when I can't root that in scripture directly. Like I want to be really careful about that. But um, mm-hmm. regardless, it was really a helpful little book um, to <clears throat> just just sort of uh, I don't know put word again, put words to things that I experience, I think every week, um, when the truth just comes alive in the scriptures and you get to, you know, teach that and declare that to, to the believers. It was just a, it's a really cool little book. I'll try to. Uh, is it Albert, name. is it Albert Martin? Yes. Albert Martin. Yeah. Published by Reformation Heritage Books and with an endorsement by Stephen Lawson. So yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's a good. A good book. That's a good review. Uh, you what can about, read it. You can read it in one sitting too. It's it's good. Yeah. So favorite album of the year, or maybe music oh, that gosh. just kind of hit home. Favorite album? What would I say to that? What you know, I, the what sad, I, the sad thing about me is that I just don't listen to a lot of music anymore. Like I, I listen to podcasts, um, yeah. and I just don't listen to a whole lot of music. Um, like I have a workout playlist that's, I'm not, I'm not even going to tell you what's on it. <laughs> I'll get, I'll get lamb blasted in the lounge for it. I'm not even going to talk about it. We've had a little bit of this conversation before. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to talk about it. Um, so I don't know, like, um, I mean, I could talk about podcasts I've listened to. Um, I mean, the Mars Hill podcast was intriguing. Oh um, man, yeah. I have thoughts about it, but it was it was definitely definitely intriguing. Um, and there's a really good Clemson podcast <laughs> that I listened to, and I listened to the briefing with Robert, you know, uh, with Al Moeller, and um, I listened to that all the time. And I don't um, I don't know what to do during the month of July and the last two months of December in the mornings when Moeller yeah, isn't on. I, there was a, a I, I was actually going to text this to you and I kept forgetting. So there's a, on the fight, laugh, feast network, there is a podcast called the theology Pugcast, and it's, mm. it's super nerdy. Uh, mm. It's, it's pretty academic, but they had one last month called a requiem, a requiem for the church growth movement. That was mm. really good. Really interesting. That, that, that might've been the theology Pugcast. pug as in the dog. So try that out. The uh, super group. nerdy. Now, in terms of music, <laughs> I went on one of the strangest kicks I've ever been on. And I was for about a month obsessed with the band Austrian Death Machine, which is a metalcore side project <laughs> of, of a guy named Tim Lambesis. He's he's a front man for another metal band, but this band is all Arnold Schwarzenegger themed. That sounds like something I could listen to in my quiet yeah. time. Yeah, well, so... so. <laughs> I can't hear it. That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. So they have... <sighs> Four albums of that stuff. Oh so my goodness! With, with song titles like "Get to the Choppa," "I'll Be Back," "One More Rep," <laughs> it, it is hilarious. And Get I just went on a kick. Choppa. And it and it actually they actually ended up in my top five on Spotify for last year. That's <laughs> I listened to them so much. So that's hilarious. All right, that's good. next next question. Uh, <laughs> which one do I go to? Dustin Beeman. Thoughts on Antonio Brown's antics. Did Is this the guy that, that walked off the field the other day? Yep. I, so, I don't know what happened. I just know that that he quit in the middle of the game. Yeah. I mean, you know, Antonio Brown's been a uh, kind of a diva for several years now. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. He even served a three-game suspension for turning in a fake vaccine card this year. Um, uh, yeah, all, and, okay. and he's he's been a diva for years and years and years. I actually saw a theory. He got knocked out by Vontae's perfect 
in 2016 uh, in a game like knocked out cold kind of thing. And so some people are speculating he has CTE. Oh, wow. But at the wow. same time, yeah, there was an interview he gave before that where he was basically apologetic to Ben Roethlisberger when he was with the Steelers for having a really bad attitude one game. So mm. I'm starting to think it's kind of like, and I don't want to speak too dogmatically because I'm not a neurosurgeon, <laughs> mm. but it might, it might be that CTE kind of has an effect like alcohol where it lowers inhibitions and really brings out kind of who you are underneath. Mm -hmm. uh, if he already had an admitted attitude issue that may have just gotten magnified by that. And that's not really an excuse in the long run. So, yeah, that's true. So why did he walk off the field Sunday? Uh, well, so Bruce Arians basically said, Hey, go, we want you in on this play and Antonio Brown refused for whatever reason. And Bruce Arians told him to get out. <laughs> so he did. So he, I, and I saw the clip where he took his pads off and A after he took yeah. off his Jersey and his undershirt, threw it in the crowd. Like that was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in all of my years of watching sports, honestly. Well, here, here's my thoughts. I, yeah. Knowing so little about the situation, anybody yeah. that demonstrates like that, has got problems. Yeah. Even if you have a legitimate gripe, that's not how you handle yourself. That's my no. thoughts. No. You, you could have a very legitimate concern and there are ways to deal with that. There are ways to, to protest. There are ways to, um, to make your, you know, feelings known without that kind of antic, that kind yeah. of antic screams. I need attention to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just for the record, if anybody's wondering, if we're in the middle of a service and I'm butchering all my notes and Stephen says, hey, man, are you OK? You need to go sit down. I'm not going to take off my shirt and throw it into the congregation <laughs> on the way out of the church. <laughs> it's just not going to sure happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. OK, so here's a ridiculous question from Ben Anthony, but he says he's not joking and he actually encountered this discussion recently. Is it okay to baptize someone in a tub full of coffee? Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just it's just so ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, and well, I think I, it kind of go ahead. I mean, my first question would be why, right? Y you know, it, like. I'm trying to imagine, like, I'm trying to imagine a scenario where, you know what, this person needs to be baptized, and all we have is a tub full of coffee. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how that happens. I don't, I don't. <laughs> if no other options are available, if you, but if you have enough water to make that much coffee, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like <laughs> I, I'm trying. So my question would be, why, first of all, and then. I, you know, I would say, I, I don't know that it's going to send anybody to hell, uh, but it sure does suck from a symbolic standpoint. I mean, I, I right? think the clean, pure water and, and uh, you know, just the, the, the symbolic nature of all of that, that just, that just 
I don't know. That looks weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it, to me, that's almost like people that ask me about, can I take communion with the donut and Sprite? No, you cannot. That, that doesn't, you know, that's that, where I was going to go with that next is, is yeah. Lecrae actually tweeted that he just did communion at home with wheat bread and apple juice. I hope this still counts. No, for, no, for one doesn't. thing, he's doing he's doing communion at home by himself, which I think that is not what communion is. Yep. And then secondly, you you've compromised the deep, rich, symbolic nature of, you know, regardless of how you feel about real presence or whatever, when it comes to communion, I think there is a symbolic nature to that and baptism that shouldn't be compromised. It's why it, there's a reason why for us. And again, we, these are not you know, uh, essentials that we could, you know, we would die on these hills as far as people that are uh, heretical or not. But there's a reason we dump people and don't sprinkle them. Sure. Uh, There's a reason we use water. Um, There, there, there's, there's thinking behind there's, 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 there's power in the symbol of wine and the, the color of it and the texture of it. And the bread and it being broken like that, I think all those things are important and shouldn't be compromised. So it, that baptizing somebody in coffee to me sounds sketchy. Yeah. It, and you, you brought up another thing of the wine versus Welch's thing, which I don't think we've had that discussion at all before, but mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's worth considering, you know? No, uh, I think it is. I think there's a, uh, <laughs> there's an Instagram account called church of laugh. And there's a which guy, is a fantastic account. Oh, it's hilarious! But there's a, there's one where this guy is up, and he's leading a, a, a communion in a church service, and a, he's got real wine in the cup, but apparently he doesn't know it. And he takes <laughs> he takes a sip of it. He goes, you know, and for the remission of sins, you know, drinking as often as you do, remember me. And and he takes a drink and he goes, oh, that's real wine. Praise God! <laughs> you know, he st- it's a it's a African American church, and so he starts that. You know, like after he drinks the wine and stuff, it is hilarious. That's amazing. Anyway, anyway. that's amazing. But yeah, but also as much as much as I enjoy it, bourbon is not permissible for communion either. <laughs> no, no. It's the fruit of the vine and it's, it's a symbol of covenant and it's, it's, yes. Um, it, you go all the way back to Seder um, and Passover that, that symbol is not just, it's not just grape juice. It's, it's the, it's wine and it's, and wine symbolizes the joy of the Lord and, and the joy of covenant with him. And I think that um, some people get uncomfortable with that. We use grape juice at res because you know, it, just where we are culturally, I don't think that's a hill to die on. Um, but I maybe, want maybe I want, one day, maybe one day. But I want I want all of the symbolic elements as much of them as as we can possibly uh, have. I want those to be a part of. I have things. I have heard of some churches making both available. You know, like hey, here's like this is what they used. You know, they, they did use wine. It did have alcohol in it. This is what everybody mm-hmm. used until like five minutes ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. But if you're super uncomfortable, here's this other option. That's, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not as good, but <laughs> you know, but 
you can you can do this one too if if your conscience is going to bother you. So, yeah. well, and you know, some people if they've got alcohol issues in the past and they just really want to stay away from it, uh, you know. Now I know it's communion, and I would tend to lean towards that won't create problems, but uh, even for that person. But I I think there are reasons to be sensitive about it. Um, yeah, that that are worth you know, yeah, they're worth it. So, yeah. Mm, let's, let's have more discussions about this in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right. Last question. Nathan Presswood asks, what's the favorite Christmas gift you received and the favorite gift you gave? Hmm. Favorite Christmas gift I received would probably be my watch. I think I got a, a oh, Garmin. Nice. I got a new Garmin watch that I really, really like. Um, it has amazing fitness tracking and uh, amazing sleep tracking and health tracking. I don't know how it oh, does yeah. all this. Like it tracks my oxygen levels. It tracks, and I, you, I've said before, I have trouble sleeping. So this mm-hmm. really helps me keep track of my sleep and, um, and how I'm doing. Uh, so, and it's solar battery lasts like a week and it, if i'm out in the sun a lot it'll last even longer that's cool so i really am happy about that favorite gift that i gave um would probably be um we're going to disney world with the kids um provided that covid doesn't derail everything um so we're we're going we're going supposed to leave on monday today's tuesday so supposed to leave on Monday. I, I guess that would be my favorite gift that I gave um, yeah. this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think my, my favorite gift that I received was that new putter. <laughs> oh yeah. I actually putted with that before you got it. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. I was, at, I, was at your, I was at your dad's house and he's got the whole like thing set up in his garage. Yep. And, yep. and so I, I tried out your new putter for you. Yeah. Well, thanks. Broke it in a little bit. Uh, yeah. That thing is such an upgrade. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> I was using so my I was using my dad's old one that he used in high school, and I had named Which, it Frankie because it you, it looked like a putt putt uh, putter from Frankie's Fun Park. It really I was about did. to say your your dad stole that from some old putt putt course somewhere. Um, yeah, so yeah, was, you got a major upgrade, <laughs> major upgrade, and it was and it's the. Uh, Kirkland Signature, so Costco branded putter, hilariously enough. Uh, it's really just a relabeled, I don't know, Titleist or something. That uh, Kirkland brand is good. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, favorite gift that I gave, probably taking Kristen to the Nita Strauss show. Oh, yeah. So, so that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, Nita Strauss, her main gig is she plays for Alice <clears throat> Cooper. Um, so another reformed connection there since Alice Cooper I, I was used to be uh, golfing buddies with RC Sproul and I'm pretty yeah, sure right. mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he's a member at Alistair Begg's church if I remember correctly yeah, uh, but um, but yeah Nita's a, a shred master this is her solo tour we got the VIP package with the Q&A and all that good yeah, stuff. I, saw, and, I saw y'all post that on social media. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. And, and I'll have to tell you more about this later. Uh, I did sneak in a question in the Q and a about product development. I'll leave it at that for purposes mm. of the podcast. And, and she actually really enjoyed answering that question. So. <laughs>
Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, awesome. That was fun. Uh, yeah. That's all the questions we got. So, Happy New Year, I guess. Happy New Year. Good to be back. Yes, sir. So, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Make sure you share and subscribe and review and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, love God, love your neighbor, go make music. Thanks for listening.